Okay, weirdos. Just what were you doing in there? And this better be straight. Uh, in the black thing, you meant, right? That's right. Yeah, what we were doing in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, uh... First, it was, uh, we were in a factory. Yeah. Oh. And then there was a commercial thing. No, 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 no. It was a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, a yeah, vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. Right. Okay, boys. Let's go downtown. But, sir, we were just looking for David Jones. Hey, hey, it's the Dead Letter Movie Podcast, episode 60, recorded August 8th, 2021. I'm Tim. Hey, hey, I'm Andrew. And this is another installment in our ongoing Bands on the Reel series. Today, we're talking about the 1968 film Head, starring the Monkees. And randomly other people, uh, but we'll we'll talk about them as we as yeah. we go along. Yeah, nineteen sixty eight, very nineteen sixty eight. It really, uh, really is. Yeah, I, I would say you'd be hard pressed to find something more nineteen sixty eight than this. Um, this is probably the only G rated movie that has footage of a public execution in it. Not and like not just once, but a few times in the movie. Yeah, this is a different time, y'all. Anyway, so uh, as part for Bands on the Reel, I'm going to do a quick and dirty way of looking at what the genre was at the time. The genre being the bands playing themselves or a version of themselves thing. So uh, the Monkees are a kind of an offshoot of this as, as a band themselves. So A Hard Day's Night comes out is a big deal. And suddenly this guy, Bert Schneider, suddenly has this idea, well... Not so much suddenly. He apparently had the idea about a TV show about a band that was up and coming for a time, but Hard Day's Night makes it something he's more able to pitch to a network. And so it gets sort of pitched as a Hard Day's Night, the TV show. And that's that's kind of what it is. And so uh, the four monkeys, Davy Jones, Mickey Dolenz, Peter Tork, and Mike Nesmith are you know four guys who are performers before. Um, some of them are acting. Um, some of them were you know involved in music. Uh, Davy was a was a musical theater guy. Mickey had been a child actor um, before, so he had had some chops there. Peter Tork had been a had been a folk musician. Was part of the I think he was part of the uh, what's the, the Greenwich Village scene at, at the time. And Stephen Stills, of all people, from Buffalo Springfield and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, was the one who convinced him to go audition for the Monkees. And Mike Nesmith had already like had been you know performing for a while, knew how to play guitar, all that stuff. Had written songs, uh, different drum. Um, you know, you and I trail to the beat of a different drum. You know, one of those very 60s songs that was written by him. And so these are, you know, four guys who had, you know, experience performing. So it kind of makes sense that they gel well together in an acting sense. So they all had good chemistry together. They get the gig and we get two seasons of The Monkees. After that, you know, the show gets canceled. And so out of that, they decide that they're going to make a movie. And Bob Rafelson, who is also very important to The Monkees as a TV show, um, was able to get, um, he wanted to make five easy pieces. And part of his deal with Columbia was that he had to make another movie and he had to make a movie with The Monkees. So he makes this movie head. So now the monkeys at this time had gone beyond their controversy of, you know, not playing their own music, not writing their own songs. And so at this point they had, but they were still trying to escape that. So the, this, uh, most of their records, po most of their songs post headquarters, that's where they're more involved with the musical aspects of their band. So there's a lot more artistry to what they're doing at that point and a lot more onus from them. And this, this I think is, you know, in a lot of ways they would say that this is one of their best albums. Um, and I think that's because they had so much say in it. Uh, the album itself, however, was compiled or put together. I'm not exactly sure what the right word is by Jack Nicholson, who is the screenwriter of this movie. Yes, that Jack Nicholson. 
yeah, that's the, the quick and dirty thing behind that. We'll talk more about that when we get to the trivia. But, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into it. You say we're manufactured. To that, we all agree. So make your choice and we'll rejoice in never being free. Hey, hey, we are the monkeys. We've said it all before. The money's in, we're made of tin. We're here to give you more. The money's in, we're made of tin. We're here to give you more. So, like we've said, we've got the four guys who composed the, uh, the, uh, the public-facing side of the monkeys, if uh, if not the business, yeah. playing versions of themselves who were already characters on a television show. The movie, the script, and everybody in it are entirely aware of what they are and how the public at large sort of feels about it, both the good and the bad. And yet they, they display that, yeah, they are kind of there with with all of that there's there's good stuff about it it's like yeah we we've we've done some some good music you know even if it wasn't us you know you know we we, we performed it and you mm-hmm. know it, it it's it's a big hit people like it but it's also this this business thing where you know it's 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 almost like a proto truman show where they're yeah. they're under the microscope the whole time and doing all sorts of things that they didn't expect that they would be doing as as part of this gig and mm-hmm. there's 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 all this meta text about how you know everything they do is is in this box and gets packaged up and sold. Yeah, and I guess that's like when it cocks, when we're talking about the actual plot of the movie, which there the really isn't like a real plot per se, other than the monkeys fighting themselves. And I don't mean like they're in a they're in constantly fighting with each other. I mean like they're fighting the concept of being the monkeys. They often get caught in a box, a literal box, and escape from it and get caught in another box later. But all throughout the movie we get these little like skits and side sketches of, you know, each of them doing their own weird little thing. We get like Davy Jones as like some kind of boxer. He fights Sonny Liston. Mm-hmm. And like Annette Funicello is there. It's like this boxing drama movie. And Annette Funicello is there being the like Adrian role, even though it would have been like way before Adrian. But you get the idea. And we have like a Western set, like a Western setting at one point where Mickey gets annoyed with everything and breaks through the scenery. And it, there's just a lot of oddness going on. And. We also get some television channel flipping, um, which I think would get, you know, that kind of filler and stuff. We get Bela Lugosi randomly saying something. We get uh, we get a lot I, of, like, yeah. MT- we get a lot of MTV-esque kind of editing done throughout this movie. Yeah, and, and the, the weird, almost entirely disconnected jump between bits. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's much a stretch to say this was an influence on, you know, Monty Python-style comedy. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, where, I, I, you know, they, they, would, they would come up with the loosest things to move from from bit to bit and there's that's going on here too you know, it was mm-hmm. around the same time you know, like yeah like yeah you know before the pythons had a tv show they were mm-hmm. you know, they were in different configurations working together and doing stuff so right yeah it's you know very very much of that same time it's it's very very 60s it's it's trippy in every yeah. sense of that word yeah we get a couple of extended sequences with solarization yeah um which supposedly like that you know getting that effect figure out actually delayed the movie a little um so but we, uh, we can talk about that later but uh yeah so there's uh there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie but there's there like it's smarter than you think it's gonna be i is, is how i end up walking away from the movie but uh i guess if we're gonna talk about the performances of the band itself 
I this is probably the best acting we're gonna get um, when it comes to this kind of movie because these are they are the prefabricated four. This is correct. Um, they are <laughs> they were mm-hmm. they were put together and manufactured, but record labels had been doing that for years. This is just one of the first times it was up front, and uh, that bothered people. And I understand. I get that. I don't really begrudge that. But at the same time, it's not like it's that new of a thing, guys. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> these four guys like they got the gig. So they're all, they're more actors than they are musicians at that time. And some of them had to learn to play some of their instruments. But, you know, like I said, Torque and Nesmith had already had a pretty good bearing. I think, I think uh, Mickey had to really learn to play the drums. Um, and Davey really just sings and plays the tambourine. I don't think he had to, had to learn much. But, um, so, but the four of them have a really good chemistry together. And they all hold their own really well when the camera is on them. Un- unlike with the Beatles where... Like, you know, Ringo is, like, the one who really is good at it, and the rest of the, and the other three are, you know, pretty good. Like, all four yeah. of them are all yeah. really good in their own right on their own. Because they each have their own little moment to themselves. Mickey has this thing where he's, like, in the desert and blows up a Coke vending machine. Yeah, Peter with a Tor- tank. With a tank, yeah. like Because suddenly there's a tank. Yeah, because suddenly there's a tank. And that, that little sequence... With the, the guy on the horseback, well, that would the, the saying Psst, to to Mickey and all of its mm-hmm. weirdness would mm-hmm. later be used at the Alamo Draft House as part of their pre-show filler. You know, Peter Tork goes off. Uh, Nesmith has his own stuff going on. Davy, like I said, has that whole boxing thing. He also has an extended sequence, um, a song and dance moment to himself. So they all have their little their little bits, just like in a hard day's night. Um, but I actually think they're holding it a little bit better than the Beatles did in acting ability and and stuff there. I'm, whereas the Beatles may have like better content that they're working with, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I think that's because these guys are are actors right. before they're musicians. So I think that that kind of flavors that. So like I don't know if it's gonna get any better from here when we start looking at other movies. The yeah. smart money's on no. My, the smart money is actually on no, but there's, I mean, there are other cases, like, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we like, before we were recording, like, you could make a case that um, three versions of A Star is Born is a version of this kind of thing, like, you know, with, with Judy, Babs, and Gaga, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty decent case, that. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, yeah, these, these guys definitely have more on-screen presence than, than the Beatles do. And mm-hmm. like you said, I think that is very much because... They are actors first and a band sort of a, by the way, as an acting gig. Right. And yeah, they're, they're, they're totally in on it. And, you know, they're not winking at the camera exactly here, Mm -hmm. but it is, you know, completely self-aware throughout the second thing that happens in the movie is that they tell you everything that's going to happen in the movie over the Mm -hmm. course of like a minute. Yeah. And then they do it. Yeah, and they do, and the thing is, you don't take it seriously when they do it because it's done in the, in the hey hey. Well, it's, it's a song called Diddy Diego, but it's uh, you know hey hey we are the monkeys, so they're kind of playing with that, and so they they literally tell us what's going to happen, but you kind of don't take it seriously at the time. So because why would you? There's no exactly. reason to take it seriously. They play it silly, and then all all these things happen. Some of them are silly. Some of them are just screwy. Yep. Yeah, we get a lot of just screw... Like, for some reason, uh, Victor Mature is in this movie. And he is, like, huge. He is a giant. And mm-hmm. they're, they play his dandruff in uh, what I guess is like, supposed to be a dandruff commercial. Or yeah, a dandruff a commercial shampoo for, commercial dandruff or shampoo something. Dandruff shampoo commercial yeah. or something. And then they get vacuumed up and put into another box. So, Which like, turns out to be the same box. Their escape attempt from the box, in fact, takes place inside the box. Yep. It's so boxes, the second boxes. box, which was the first box, is actually 
entirely ephemeral and and figurative and inside their heads because it's all still inside the other box. It's, yeah, which which has to be something. Now the monkeys were involved in the creative process of this. They spent a weekend with Jack Nicholson coming up with ideas and like you know. And then I, I believe Nicholson and Rafelson actually wrote the script. And so like they had very big input into all of this. And so you can sense their frustration with being the monkeys and them trying to get out of it and still getting stuck in that box no matter what they do. And so it's hard not to see that. And what's going on in this movie. And I think that that's yeah. actually really neat. Like, I think yeah. that's, that's a, this is one of those few times where you can't do this with, like, you couldn't do this with the Backstreet Boys. Like, you couldn't really, you might be able to do this with, with NSYNC to an extent, but you couldn't do that with them because they didn't have that musical agency that the monkeys ended up fighting for eventually. I mean, like, there's literally a story, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a good story where Mike Nesmith, like, punches a wall in front of some, and some, and, like, right in front of some guy's face, and he said, that could have been your face! And that's how they got to do the musical, the, the, they got to do the music for the next album. Like, you can look this up online. It's apparently, yeah. a, apparently a thing that happened. And so, like, they, they fought for this, and so, like, this is a, an example, like, you can see them fighting for it and trying to do something else but still getting stuck in that box no matter how hard they try yeah because it it all gets packaged up in the box and then the box is sold mm -hmm. yeah so yeah there, there there are lots of you know influences present here as well you know very specifically a hard day's night yeah it's very much there i think help is a pretty big influence on it as well yeah um, yeah because we, we we did look this up this is post help by a, a couple of years or something Post help, but about the same time as Magical Mystery Tour, I don't yeah. think they would have. I don't think. I don't think it would have had an influence on this movie. Yeah, I. I mean, who knows? Pathetic. Forget. It's pitiful. Shut up. You shut up. No, you shut up. You shut up. Shut up. You. You. Shut up. You shut up. You. Okay, I will. And anyway, so. Going into like the you know the stuff that I think really works. So what's the the, the greatest hits of the movie, if you will? For me, what my favorite monkey song is in this movie, and that is uh, "Circle Sky." This the scene where the they perform as a band. They they look like a band. They're on a stage, thousands of screaming teenage girls screaming, and they play this song by Mike Nesmith called "Circle Sky," which is which it has a real it's, it has a fairly interesting visual motif going on to it. But at the end of it, at the end of the song, they get the the the, the girls run, storm the stage, and start tearing them apart, and they become they become mannequins. But um, so that, that that's my favorite like song in it. Um, but uh, my favorite visual part, the best music video, quote unquote, of this movie would be the the daddy song sequence, which is when they're stuck in the vacuum. Davy kind of goes off on his own and goes into this room and has this song and dance number to this Harry Nielsen song. And Harry Nielsen is probably my favorite singer songwriter of that era. And he comes out, sings this song, and the room is in all black. And he's he's wearing a white suit, and then it will flip to a room that is like all white, and he's wearing a black suit, and it will do that back and forth. And you this this you can find easily online. You can just type in "Daddy Song Head," and um, he dances with Tony Basil or Tony Basil, Tony Basil, uh, Tony Basil of you know, oh Mickey, you're so fine, you know, future winner of best video. Not that song is not about Mike, uh, not about Mickey Dolans, by the way. And um, nor, it's not about Mike Nesmith either, but, you know, either way, <laughs> not about them. Yeah. And uh, so she's the one dancing with him. And that's, you know, that's, that's like, I think that visually that's my, like, favorite part of the movie. Even though there might be a moment that's kind of Caesar-inducing for some people. And it's really, 
it would have been easy to do because all they had to do was do the choreography in a room that was all black, change clothing, do it in a room that's all white. But uh, I, 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 that's the most visually interesting part to me, at least. So I don't know what what were the best, the greatest hits for you, Tim. Well, yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Davy Jones' dance number there was uh, was particularly striking because mm -hmm. you know the he they they did the choreography and the and the camera work so well. It's it's almost seamless. Like yeah. I, I I don't know that they could have done better you know with with more money or 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 anything you know with the technology at the time because it's just you know he's he's in the middle of a move and that the camera's in the same spot and but but now that the scenery is different and he's in the different clothes that was really impressive mm -hmm. yeah i i i loved the 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 desert sequence with the with the tank and the exploding mm -hmm. coke machine just because it was just so random came completely out of nowhere I mean, everything else, it's like, okay, this, this kind of follows a little bit from something else that was going on. It's like that, that one to me was just completely out of the blue. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I definitely had uh, little, little flashes of, of hard days night, you know, like right. you said, the, the bit with the mannequins. And you know, mm -hmm. I, I wondered about that at the time. It's like, was that, you know, another intentional metaphor, like the monkeys as mannequins, or was that just the most effective way to get that effect going on the fans ripping the monkeys apart probably a little both a little of both yeah it, it, it works both ways yeah, so. I, yeah it's uh yeah i don't know i'd like i really i, I really like that and there's there's other things. i like the 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 theme song from the movie um the the, the porpoise song <laughs> theme from head um later bands would cover this i think the uh the polyphonic spree just did it this last year and um <laughs> like it's a it is a very 1968 song written by carol king but uh you know like, I like that song, but um, the Mickey falling through and getting you know solarized and meeting mermaids <laughs> doesn't doesn't quite do it for me like other visual aspects in this movie. But you know, I still like it. Yeah, no, I mean it, that was that was definitely a cool you know kind of kind of dreamlike sequence there, yeah. but it doesn't really give you the the tone for the entire movie. I mean they they do that the next thing, like I said. Yeah, you know, yeah Diddy like, Diego hey, yeah. is what yeah. sets that up for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I, like, the other thing that's like, it, as weird as this movie is, it's also you know, darker than you expect it to be. Because, you know, the, the monkeys were kind of like the Saturday morning pop band that did like these, you know, mm -hmm. assembly line bubblegum pump, not bubblegum pump, I'm used to saying bubblegum pump more, uh, bubblegum pop music. And uh, suddenly we have this like war sequence and like it started off with them being cheerleaders saying, give me a W, give me an A, and them going to war. <laughs> and yeah. You can't help but not feel like Vietnam is in that somehow, but it's also a ridiculous war sequence. You know, one of them jumps over a trench and there's a football player trying to tackle him for some reason. So it's all kind of kind of weird, and some of this stuff works better than others. And yeah, <laughs> some some ideas are very much of its time and don't quite work now. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's I have more things that I like about this movie than things that I don't, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like I, I dig some of the, the humor and, and the contemplative weirdness of it. Oh yeah. There there's some very interesting cinematic thing going on. Mm -hmm. so there there's a lot to like about this movie, but apart from a really, really narrow subset of, of yeah. general movie watchers everywhere, I don't think this is gonna have a lot of appeal. It's not gonna gel for for very many folks like at all I, yeah. mean, I i enjoyed it but i can't really say that it's good on the whole 
Yeah, it's um, uh, it's uh, in a, it kind of makes it to good for me, but it isn't great though. It's um, well, when we get to overall thoughts, I'll you know I'll give a I'll give my letter grade. But it's uh, there's more good in it than I think there's bad. But yeah. it's still hard for me to <laughs> recommend. Um, like I can recommend it to film nerds, I think. Like there, there, you'll find some cinematic stuff that's really interesting, and you know you'll find some film history stuff to it, and you'll find the 1968ness of it really interesting. If you're like a big fan of the monkeys, even then I'm like, uh, just be prepared. Uh, watch some clips before you before you delve into this. Yeah, so. yeah, because this this is a departure from you know their their more mainstream material. This this is you know kind of them commenting on themselves, right? As themselves, asterisk. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's interesting. Like, I think uh, yeah. in a exercise in early meta stuff, I think that that's really cool. Like, um, I, I had which I had told you to watch um, the Warner Brothers. Like, I don't know if it's a Merry Melody or a Looney Tune, but either way, it starves Daffy Duck. I think it would pair well with watching Duck Amuck before it is like a short and a feature. Like, yeah. if, if yeah. we had the Dead Letter Cinema and we showed midnight movies on Fridays, like, this, that would be the programming. It would be Duck Amuck and Head. Right, yeah. Like like they used to do Pink Panther cartoons in front of James Bond films. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, exactly like, like that. that. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what Columbia, if Columbia had a cartoon thing. Uh, I, don't I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to look. But if you're, if you still, if you're listening to this and still haven't watched this, like, check out Duck Amuck and then, you know, get your copy of Head, however you end up doing this. This, uh, is not as readily available as I wish it was, but that's that's how it is. Yep, yep. Our ship better be sailing out of that harbor on its way home within 24 hours or we're coming in after it. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural, perhaps. Baloney, perhaps not. I guess we can go into some like some fun trivia about this. So the and you know the liner notes section, if you will. So you know this is written by Jack Nicholson, future Oscar winner and um, star of such movies as Five Easy Pieces, directed by the same guy, Bob Rafelson, and you know King of Marvin Gardens, you know Cuckoo's Nest, you know Jack Nicholson, you know yep. that guy, and you know I think most of us probably know who he is. And that's you know that's like an interesting thing. He has like a blink and you miss it kind of cameo during a, a moment where the, the fourth wall is being broken. Dennis Hopper is there, too. And just, just I randomly. missed it. Yeah, and Tim missed it, but it's I there. blinked, folks. Yeah. This movie has has all sorts of random cameos. Terry Garr is in it. Manette Funicello um, is in it, like I said earlier. Um, um, probably my favorite random cameo is just right after Daddy's song, Frank Zappa comes out to kind of, like, <laughs> give Davey what for and yep. it's yeah and I think he was friends with Mike Nesmith so I think that's where that connection was and and Zappa had been on an episode of the monkeys before um a thing that like as much stigma as they have is that whole prefab four things like the four of them were kind of cool in their own right I mean like like I said earlier like Peter Tork was friends with Stephen Stills you're you know that that accounts for something and and uh, mickey dolans would be part of i believe he was part of the hollywood vampire so he would be his drinking buddies were you know alice cooper and keith moon and and harry nielsen and so like you know these guys like you know were connected and new folks so i think that gets kind of lost on us it's a movie that has a lot more going for it behind the scenes than you expect it will so this movie happens sometime later we get uh easy rider just a little bit after and so that kind of begins the bbs studio which would give us such movies as you know five easy pieces and um king of modern gardens but their, their biggest movie is probably uh, the last picture show by peter bogdanovich so you know the movie that everyone should check out at some point it's a, it's really good and then uh, and then they would win an academy award for hearts and minds which is a documentary about the 
the Vietnam War. And so, like, this movie is weirdly important <laughs> in ways you don't expect. Yeah, uh, I mean, like like I said before, you know, there there are lots of obvious you know influences from things that came before. You know, very specifically, you know, Beatles films, mm-hmm. uh, Hard Day's Night and Help. But it's it's also pretty easy to see you know how this influenced a lot of other things that came not too long after. You know, and and not not just from the business side, but you know, in in terms of its content and its presentation, it's it's weird, and some of that carried forward, and I'm. I can't think of anything else that really got weird in the same ways much before this. Yeah, it's hard for me. Like, I can think of, like, some some kind of, like, avant-garde Salvador Dali kind of stuff, but it's not not in the same way. Like, this yeah. is... There's an old movie from, I think it's the 40s, called Hell's a Poppin', which is uh, has the same amount of, like, cinema anarchy going on, but it's, you know, it doesn't have... You know, it doesn't have, like, the lush 60s-ness mod stuff going on. I mean, that's, you know, that's because it was made in the 40s. So, and then, like, you know, a little bit later, like, I, I would say, like, movies that are kind of, like, companion to this would be, like, Gr- Gremlins 2, the new batch, maybe. <laughs> in, in so far as that, like, you know, there's this one thing that we're used to that we're expecting in, like, the Monkeys TV show, and then we get something that's really crazy and its own odd thing. Maybe, maybe. We don't really have movies like this. Airplane kind of goes in this territory, kind of. Yeah, um, sort of, but it's it's got you know, a more more straight, kind of obvious, grounded through line. Yeah, and uh, apparently Edgar Wright is a big fan of this movie, and uh, like he listed it on a, you know, on a list of movies that he was really fond of, um, I, th- I think, for the, Criterion ch- for the Criterion Collection. And one of the things that, when you know that, it's suddenly you can see its influence. Um, I think its most obvious influence is in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Like, that movie doesn't, you know, exactly follow the same kind of structure, but it does have a lot of similar anarchy going on to a certain extent, albeit in, like, kind of a packaged video game sort of way. Yeah, and some of that was was in the the graphic novel that was the source for that. But, I mean, Edgar Wright clearly brought some of the the cinematic stuff, you know, all on Mm. his own. And, And it was a good fit. Oh, yeah, totally. um, and, and as far as you know the the meta stuff you can totally see that in his in his cornetto trilogy it's it's you know all over you know the the satire and and homage and and parody you know it's all over Shaun of the dead hot fuzz mm-hmm. and and uh, the world's end so absolutely yeah definitely there yeah there's this movie has a bigger influence than you would think it's going to have for being this movie that kind of failed so this was uh supposed to come out earlier but the solarization effects delayed things and so the momentum of the monkeys had kind of waned and then it just kind of gets released and you know it's a very weird movie it was very it was also promoted really strangely um the monkeys aren't really featured in most of the in most of the things it's usually just some guy's head so that's helpful Somewhere there's an alternate universe where this is a very popular movie, and I'm curious what that world is like. But yeah, they did not exactly put the 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 faith in this movie as they as they could have. But even then, like it probably would have been really alienating to the average monkeys fan at the time. Yeah, if if this had come out a year or two earlier, yeah, mm-hmm. they're like like you said, people watching you know the monkeys TV show are not gonna dig this yeah. pretty much at all unless. Unless it's it's that rare fan who, you know, knowing exactly what the monkeys are and just laughing at the joke. Yeah, those yeah. folks might dig this, but I feel like there are probably not very many of them. Can you dig it? Do you know? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can, but I'm not sure that I do. <laughs> 
Anyway, another thing I kind of like about this movie is that it's almost a movie for people who love movies, um, in that there's all this kind of old Hollywood stuff scattered about. Yeah, there's 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 lots of that, and you know, fourth wall production meta text, mm-hmm. a lot stuff. of studio backlot kind of yeah. things, like yeah. the the western stuff, the boxing stuff, the the old movies that we clip through, and you know, the sign of the cross is in there, the black cat with Bela Lugosi's in there. It's just random. I wouldn't call it a movie for people who love movies, but it's um, not not quite. But it's uh, it's it's adjacent. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. know. I think that's kind of fun. yeah. The song was pretty white. Well, so am I. What can I tell you? You've been working on your dancing, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I've been rehearsing it. Glad you noticed that. Yeah, it doesn't leave much time for your music. You should spend more time on it because the youth of America depends on you to show the way. Yeah. Yeah. Monkeys is the craziest people. All right, so let's go into our overall thoughts. Tim, why don't you go first? So overall, this is one of the screwier things I have seen in a <laughs> long, long time. I did enjoy it. Uh, I, I think you have to take it bits at a time, but it is so, so dense, not not just with its its meta text and, and satire and all, but I mean, it's it's just, you know, quick little bits and, and they just keep doing them. And the movie's only about an hour and a half long, but when I got to the end of it, I was like, that was only an hour and a half because it felt like a lot more. I mean, I was I was drained. Not like it dragged or I wasn't enjoying it. I mean, I was I was engaged. I was watching, and but it felt like a lot more movie than it actually was. It's because there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. 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 And, and I feel that. I get that. Uh, what would uh, What would your grade be? So uh, I I think overall I'd I'd give this a C. There's there's a lot of you know good interesting stuff going on in it but it's a pretty narrow appeal i yeah. i feel like in the hands of someone maybe a little more capable this could have done pretty much everything that it does and still been more broadly entertaining and appealing mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't quite get there like i i i got to groove on it kind of but and yeah yeah i i can't think who else i would recommend it to yeah. either yeah, like I have a hard time figuring out who I'd recommend it to. I don't know who would be a better Hilmer for this at the time. Yeah, I I, I don't either. Yeah, because uh, this was like, so this was, I think this, this so Ray Wilson had worked on the TV show, and I be, this is his first feature film, and he would be part of that new Hollywood ilk. So, you know, this would, this is around the same time as, you know, Steven Spielberg is getting together around, you know, George Lucas and, and guys like that are, you know, getting, getting, you know, Hal Ashby. I mean, this, this would be more Monty Hellman, Hal Ashby, Roger Corman compatriot crowd, um, given who is, who all is involved. But, uh, like, that's, that's when, that's who's coming out of this. And, and, uh, so, yeah, I don't know who would have been out of that group. I don't know who would have been better. Maybe this, maybe it would have been interesting as a Roger Corman movie. Maybe. Uh, interesting, certainly. Yeah. Better? Better, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, he would have just made someone else do it though i mean like because that's the way he would have mm-hmm. produced it and it would have been it probably wouldn't be as neat because he would have not spent as much money so yeah not yeah. that that's always like an, but you know this movie he would not have spent money on solarization i can tell you that <laughs> no <laughs> yeah for, for for one thing and there's production value in the movie in other places mm-hmm. where you know where it counts yeah and that's the upside of having a movie at columbia than say like aip so yeah and so, uh man i don't know yeah i don't know who i would who else would 
who who I would put to do this. Well, anyway, um, so I'm kind of with you. Like, I like this movie. Um, I, I like this movie more than you. I had to chase this movie originally. Um, so I will admit that I do have, like, a soft spot in my heart for it in that sense. Um, I, my mom was a fan of the monkeys, and I had kind of an interest in them through the TV show. And then sometime in the 90s, I found out that they had their own movie. But it was very difficult to get a hold of at the time. And then I ended up taping it off of AMC back when AMC was basically the cheaper version of Turner Classic Movies. You know, this is long before Breaking Bad and all that. So I ended yeah, up taping yeah. it off of like 2 a.m. in the morning to watch this. And it lived up to my ex expectations, but I also knew it was going to be weird. So I'm like 12 or 13 when I finally get to see it. And, the, you know, then it came out to, to DVD later and I got a hold of it that way to and watched it again. So, like, I don't know. I do have a soft spot for this movie. But even then, as much as I like it, I do. It's still kind of a C-plus movie for me. I feel like that there's a lot, there's a lot better things they could have done, but they're... They, there's more good in it than there is bad, but it's it's a hard movie to recommend. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I'm into it and I like it, but it's uh, not exactly uh, an easy thing to watch for some folks. So, for for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. But I dig it. I can dig it, and I do know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway. So well, that's uh, that is head. And so uh, when it comes to the importance of the bands on the real genre, like I think this is a this is a pretty important movie. This is one of the first movies you know, out of this, the Hard Day's Night realm that we get that isn't a Beatles movie, so it's very important in that sense. Yeah. We are going to be jumping ahead a little bit for our next movie. Um, we're going to be covering a, a very, uh, a, another movie that didn't do very well at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tim, why don't you tell us what's, our, what's, uh, what's the next movie? Uh, next movie in our bands on the reel. So, yeah, our, uh, our, our next next movie, uh, much easier to get a hold of, thankfully. Yes, thankfully, um, is the the one and only real weird Al Yankovic movie, UHF. Yep. Which uh, also gave birth to the album, sort of of the same name. It was mm -hmm. the movie soundtrack and other things because they're yeah just, just just some other other stuff that that Al did got on on the record that weren't in the movie. Just just mm -hmm. put them on there. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it says right there in the name, folks, Weird Al Yankovic. It's it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. So uh, that one should be a little bit easier for you to find. Hopefully, like we gave you an extended amount of time for head. So we hopefully we'll be able to get that one in in the can and to you guys a little bit faster. Um, we will probably still do a we'll probably review something, you know, new between now and then. So yeah. look, check the feed for that. Uh, but, but it's interesting you bring up the soundtrack thing, actually, now that you say that. So they ha the soundtrack for head slash album for head because it's, you know, kind of in a weird place, just just like Hard Day's Night, where it's a combination album and soundtrack album. Uh, it's, uh, like I said, it was compiled by Jack Nicholson, and he would actually use, I think it's one of the first uses of random dialogue snippets in a soundtrack album, like Quentin Tarantino will do from time to time. And so it's worth checking out just for that, because it's a very interesting little curio of late 60s-ness. So, and, uh, and there's a little bit of that on the UHF soundtrack, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some weird stuff in there for sure. I mean, right. yeah, e e even knowing Weird Al. But so uh, that should give you a pretty good taste of what's to come. And uh, that's our show for now. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Bye. I'd like a finger sandwich, please, and hold the mold. And uh, I'd like a glass of uh, cold gravy with a hair in it, please. One of your own. Are you still paying tribute to Ringo Starr? Would you like a pinch in the mouth? I think about it. Don't hurt yourself.